Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. AgriPod is brought to you by Proven Seed, performance you can count on in canola, soybeans, cereals, corn, and forages. On this episode, the dry conditions prompted a retired soil scientist to send out a tweet telling farmers that they need to soil sample this fall in order to understand what the nutrient carryover will be to next spring. Smaller yields likely have meant the fertilizer applied in the spring was not entirely used up and it could still be available for next year's crop. Ross McKenzie will explain how the soil test could possibly save farmers money at seeding time. A deferred delivery contract locks in a price for a certain quantity of a base grade of grain to be delivered to a certain location at some date in the future. The drought-reduced crop means that some producers will not have enough grain to cover even modest contracts. SAS Canola Chair Bernie McLean says commodity groups are reaching out to grain companies, asking them to work with producers to reduce contract penalties and administration fees for this year in light of the growing conditions. Bernie will explain what they hope to accomplish during those discussions. After the break, Ross McKenzie. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Retired soil scientist Ross McKenzie is here to share some of his insights into soil analysis, particularly as it pertains to the very dry conditions that we've seen right from Western Ontario right to BC and how that has affected nutrient availability this year and going into the next crop year. Uh, Ross, first of all, thanks for taking the time today. And uh, you say you are retired, but uh, I understand your work really connects you to the entire prairies absolutely i um i did my bachelor's and master's degrees at the university of alberta i did my master's in soil physics and soil and water and i did my uh, phd at the university of saskatchewan under john stewart many years ago and my focus there was soil fertility soil chemistry and and plant nutrition and i worked for Alberta agriculture for about 38 years so um i've been around a long time and if you uh, fortunately you don't have to look at a picture of me if you did that was I look like uh, an old dirt lump, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, to make a long story short, uh, I've been around, but most of my focus was in uh, research initially was in southern Alberta, but kind of the last 15 years of my career, I actually covered most of Alberta, so um, uh, doing soil fertility and uh, fertilizer and agronomy research. So I'm very familiar with the soils in Alberta, but I'm also very familiar with the soils in Saskatchewan. I've gone to the University of Saskatchewan and... Uh, uh, my grandfather uh, and great-grandfather both farmed in the Indian Head Coppell Valley area and uh, even had an uncle farm up in your area, in the Bredenberry area, years ago. So uh, I'm fairly familiar with Saskatchewan soil as well. Ross, um, it's been a very difficult year, very dry right across the province. And depending on where you're located, maybe you were lucky enough to get the odd shower that uh, maybe gave you a little bit of better crop but um, generally speaking we're going to see a a big reduction in yields this year so as uh, the farmers are finishing up their um, harvest over the next uh, few weeks or month um, obviously we're going to be thinking ahead to spring first of all just explain a little bit about how this drought affects the fertilizer that uh, was put in the ground anticipating let's say a 40 to 50 bushel per acre canola crop and it ends up being 
20, I guess, if you're lucky. What happens with that fertilizer that was applied in the spring and fall comes and uh, the crop just wasn't there? Mm-hmm. And so that's a very good question. And so what does happen? And and with uh, any crop that we seeded uh, this spring, whether it was uh, wheat, barley, or canola, um, it will start taking up nutrients depending on, on the moisture situation. But uh, when you have limited moisture, that's going to limit yield. And that's also going to limit uh, nutrient uptake. And as a result, uh, you're going to have more nutrient left in the soil um, than in the previous, uh, than you would normally expect. So um, the best way to assess that is then go back out into your fields uh, the appropriate time and do soil testing to see what you actually have left. And at, at this at this time of year, and as we're heading into the latter part of August, um, a lot can happen between late August and, and uh, mid-October. We've got uh, six, eight, maybe ten weeks uh before uh, things really start to cool off. And um, if we have uh, any kind of a, any, any level of moisture between uh, now and mid-October uh, and soils are still moderately warm, then microbes will be working on uh, the organic matter and the residue to break down and release nutrients as well. So there's two things we want to look at. One is the nutrient carryover from the fertilizer was applied this spring, but also what nutrients uh, are going to be released from the organic matter between now and before freeze-up. And that's why I really encourage farmers to uh, uh, do soil testing. And there's been a lot of promotion in, of uh, soil testing. But the, the, the thing we have to think about, though, is when do we want to soil test? If for farmers are going to be seeding uh, a winter cereal in uh, very early September, well, now is when you want to be soil sampling to see what you have. But for uh, farmers we are going to be looking at uh, next year, well, I would actually strongly suggest wait until at least uh, mid-October for things to start to cool down and then see what you have at that time. That'll give you a good estimate of what you'll have going into spring uh, next year. But if you're soil sampling now, and I've seen lots of people promoting soil testing, uh, sampling now and testing, but a lot can happen between now and uh, mid-October. So I would encourage farmers to really wait until a, a more reasonable time to uh, do your soil sampling to see what you have. Ross, I just want to go back to um, you were discussing nutrient carryover. So if you're putting in a crop that requires uh, a lot of nutrients, if you're really trying to boost those yields like a canola crop, but let's say next year you're moving into something that doesn't maybe require as much uh, nutrients, it can be a significant amount and it could potentially save producers a lot of money if they are really cautious as watching what their fertility is, the soil sampling. So it, it is really a dollar and cents exercise, I guess. Absolutely. Because you really want to go in and uh, soil sample at the appropriate time, see where your carryover is. For, for nitrogen particularly, that's the, uh, the biggest nutrient of all that uh, farmers spend money on. So what is your carryover of uh, nitrate nitrogen going into uh, spring of uh, 2022? And so you want to assess that in, in late fall. And odds are, uh, for farmers, particularly in the, in, the, in the drier areas, nitrogen won't be it, it been taken up at the same level it normally would be, so it'll be a significant carryover. And if you can cut back on your nitrogen fertilizer application by 30 or 40 or 60 pounds of nitrogen, that's uh, 60 to 75 cents a pound of nitrogen. That becomes very significant. So it's very important to soil test, in my opinion. And not just for nitrogen, uh, odds are you'll probably have somewhat higher carryover for phosphorus and potassium. 
and uh, and sulfur. So you want to assess those to see if you what you need and how much you really need to put on. Fall moisture will obviously have a huge impact. Uh, you're on when to do the soil sampling. Now you've made recommendations to mid-October. Uh, this morning we woke up to the sound of rain, which was uh, just wonderful. I think we'd forgotten what it sounds like. But obviously any moisture that we're receiving now is going to make a big difference. If if we're getting the moisture now, is mid-October kind of the, the long end of it, or is it possible to start that sampling a little earlier if there is sufficient moisture? Well, you, you can really sample anytime. It's But what you want, though, is the, the best estimate of as possible what your carryover is going to be to next spring. So, for example, if you uh, would sample in the last week of uh, August after having some moisture, but then you continue to have warm, moist soil uh, through uh, September and into early October, the microbes are still going to be working on organic matter and releasing nitrogen, phosphorus, and, and sulfur, and even some micronutrients. So um, you want to get an estimate of what that's going to be, and it, it could be uh, reasonably significant if we have warm, moist soils from uh, end of August through till um, uh, mid-September, sorry, mid-October, uh, that bacteria could be quite significant, and then you're not you're going to miss out on knowing how much that actually is. So the longer you wait uh, towards freeze up, the better estimate you're going to actually get, particularly of nitrogen and sulfur. Those are the two nutrients that are going to change the most. Uh, uh, phosphorus will change some with organic matter uh, release. Uh, potassium really won't change much at all. A lot of producers uh, choose to apply anhydrous ammonia in the fall. What are some considerations for producers that if they're sitting in really dry conditions and if that is a choice that they like to make, what should they be thinking about before they go ahead? Well, um, I, I, I'm a big fan of anhydrous ammonia. It's the cheapest form of nitrogen. That's one reason why I quite like it. Um, and it really depends on, on moisture conditions if if you don't have hardly any uh, moisture between uh, now and when you put on that anhydrous, um, you might have a fairly hard, dry, compacted soil. And how well can you get that uh, knife into the ground and then have the soil flow around that knife and cover up that, that fertilizer band so you don't get uh, uh, the lateralization or gassing off of that uh, anhydrous. So um, I really want to look at your soil moisture condition. How well can you get the uh, the shanks into the ground, get, get that fertilizer band covered up to hold that nitrogen. So uh, as long as you have good moisture, that should go fairly smoothly. If you don't have much moisture between now and when you apply your fertilizer, uh, it may not go that well. You might even want to have to, you may be forced to have to wait until uh, next spring to put on your anhydrous, which personally I'd rather see go on in the fall. Uh, then in the spring, then you can go right in and start seeding. You don't have to have to be spending time to put on the nitrogen on in the spring. I'd, I prefer to see the one in in, in late fall if possible. So, Ross, if uh, you're one of those producers that uh, conditions are extremely dry, maybe there isn't a lot of moisture prior to mid-October, is it a better idea to wait until spring to do those assessments of uh, fertility in the soil? Um, well, I really wouldn't worry about doing the, the assessments in late fall. As long as you wait till uh, the latter part of fall, then go ahead and soil sample. Uh, typically, in um, in most areas, as long as you have a, um, a a normal winter, there's not a lot of change uh, in nutrient levels from 
from fall till spring, uh, with the exception of kind of the, the, the drier regions of the southern prairies and the brownsville zone, like from Lethbridge over to Swift Current. Um, if we have a very mild uh, winter with uh, Chinook winds, uh, take away the snow and um, soils are exposed and they, we have our freeze-thaw cycles uh, taking place uh, uh, during the winter, then more nutrient can be released even during the winter time. So, uh, for example, uh, in southern Alberta the last year, uh, the winter of uh, 2021 was very, very mild, and I would expect, and there was significant nutrient uh, uh, release even during the winter. So you always have to be concerned about that, but for most farmers in, in the, across the prairies that are in the, in the thin black, black, and gray soil zone, uh, that's not a huge consideration. So sampling in late fall will give you a pretty good assessment of nutrient levels for the next spring. On next week's episode, uh, retired soil scientist Ross McKenzie will be back and he'll talk about the do's and don'ts of soil sampling, where to send those samples and how to analyze those results. After the break, Bernie McLean with Saskatchewan Canola Development Commission will talk about how grower organizations are asking grain companies to work with farmers to reduce contract penalties and eliminate administration fees. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Grain companies have been urged to work with farmers to eliminate administration fees and reduce contract penalties during the 2021-22 growing season. That request comes from the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan and all of the province's producer commissions representing wheat, barley, oat, flax, canola, and pulse growers. The extreme drought and heat and wind throughout the crop year significantly reduced harvestable grain and in the meantime substantially increased commodity prices. Yields in the worst affected drought areas will be well below crop insurance coverage and many farmers will be unable to deliver on even modest grain contracts. I'm speaking with Glaslin area farmer Bernie McLean uh, who is chair of Saskanola Bernie. Uh, just tell us what you've been seeing so far. It kind of varies on who you talk to. My experience, I'm, uh, I've been dealing with about, well, three companies in particular here this summer, and, and the conversations have uh, varied a little bit. Um, there's definitely concern out there, and uh, I think the companies are hoping it's going to be uh, better than, than maybe what the hype is on uh, in real life or social media, whatever you might say. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm finding that... Uh, so far, everybody's sticking to their guns, um, and that's one of the key messages here. And farmers have worked for uh, decades building relationships, and uh, we obviously want to continue to see those relationships uh, grow and and uh, would hope that uh, in good faith that we've, uh, the relationships that we've built, that good faith is reciprocated uh, when times are tough, like uh, like a year like 2021 here. This is, this is unprecedented. So in a normal year, these uh, administration fees are there for a reason. Uh, this year, probably not applicable in most cases. Yeah, you're 100% right. And that's, and that's exactly what the administration fee is for, is, uh, you know, in years when uh, prices have increased small amounts, it's kind of there to deter growers from jumping in and out of contracts. But this year is unprecedented. Uh, you know, in the past, it's been situations where there's grain in the bins and, and somebody would just simply like to buy out of a contract to try and capture a slightly higher price at a, you know, another elevator or 
whatever the case might be. But this year's a different story. The crop is just simply not going to be there. And even modest contracts, you know, 10 bushels an acre, for example, on canola or, or even 30 bushels an acre on, on barley, those are really, really modest numbers in, in terms of deferred delivery contracts or something that you might do prior to seeding. And uh, this year, those are going to be tough numbers to achieve in some areas. And I'm not saying all areas are that bad, but uh, boy, there's going to be a large percentage that are going to have a hard time filling some of these contracts. And yes, some are, you know, maybe a little more because prices were very good last spring. And, and that's one of the reasons that we forward prices to be able to lock in a profit, right? Uh, so I do know in some instances that growers have contracted uh, maybe a little bit more than what would be considered a modest amount, but again, within reason. But the heat, the wind, the hail, the insects early on, grasshoppers later on, it's uh, <laughs> it's been one thing after another. So, so yeah, they're going to be, contracts will be very tough to fill in some cases. So in your opinion, do you think these decisions are being made at a higher level as opposed to the country elevator agent level? Uh, yeah, the country level is, you know, obviously having conversations with their head offices. And, and so far up to this point, anyway, it seems that it's coming back that, no, if there's a uh, you know, I'll just throw a number out. If it's a $10 administrative fee, that $10 administrative fee is going to be there. So it's, uh, you pay your difference on your contract. You know, as a quick example, say you locked in canola in the spring for $13, fall delivered. Potentially it's now 20 or higher for fall. Simple math, that's $7 a bushel. You got to pay that difference plus a $10 a ton fee. And again, on a normal year, that's, you know, I'll, I'll give them that. That's acceptable. It's, it's to help to deter guys from jumping in and out, which is fine. It's in the contract. It's it's all up front. But on a year like this, when uh, there's no crop to harvest, there's not going to be a lot of cash in pockets. And then somehow or another, the crop sector has got to turn around and, and pay these contracts out. And, you know, we're going to have to do that, whatever that might look like. But then this uh, administrative fee is there and on top of it. It's, it's certainly a smaller portion of the fee, but boy, every penny is going to count this year. So, yeah, the administrative fees, unfortunately, just... And really no fault to the companies, but it adds insult to injury, whatever metaphor you want to uh, use there. It's, uh, it's just extra salt on a wound, right? I think that's something that grain companies could address and work with growers on for sure. So, Bernie, do you think there is some flexibility on this? Is it possible and that there could be some give and take? Well, that's what I would hope. And I think that's a really important message here uh, made to touch on and I mean this situation could severely impact the economic stability of of a number of operations here across the prairies not just in Saskatchewan it's going to be a difficult year for all involved and I think it's critical that we as farmers and grain companies are able to work together to come up with some sort of a workable solution uh, you know whatever that solution might be and it and it might vary from farm to farm right Bernie McLean is the chair of Saskanola. Now, the traditional intention of the administration fees, as Bernie mentioned, is to deter farmers from cancelling contracts when they have the grain but want to take advantage of a higher cash price. When the farmer has no grain to sell, the deterrent is ineffective for some financial implications of the drought will be devastating and these penalties will worsen the situation for growers. Again, all the producer commissions in Saskatchewan are urging grain companies to work with farmers and eliminate administration fees and reduce penalties on forward contracts that can't be filled due to those very low yields caused by drought. 
This is the Agriculture News Roundup for the week of August 23, 2021. The Canadian Cattlemen's Association called on all candidates in the federal election to put more focus on agricultural issues. President Bob Lowe says the federal parties need to focus on climate policy that contains nature-based solutions. He said the beef sector is a key part of finding a solution for climate change and maintaining biodiversity, as well as elevating the ability of farmers. And ranchers to participate in and benefit from investments in natural climate solutions. He would also like to see government focus on increasing trade and market access. Canada's 7,000 pork producers also want candidates from across the country to commit to policies that will support agriculture. Canadian Pork Council Chair Rick Bergman said priorities include fixing business risk management programs, creating access to skilled workers, and improving and expanding market access. Bergman said they are asking for a commitment of $50 million to implement the Pan-Canadian African Swine Fever Action Plan. Canadian Pacific outperformed Canadian National Rail during the 2020-21 crop year. Milt Poirier with QGI Consulting said CP led the way when it came to rail car order fulfillments. Looking ahead to the 2021-22 crop year, Poirier said the drought will mean less grain to move, but that doesn't necessarily mean better performance heading into the new year. The dry conditions have meant not all the fertilizer applied this spring was used up by the plants. Retired soil scientist Ross McKenzie said there could be significant nutrient carryover to the spring, particularly for nitrogen. He said it's going to be more important than ever to soil test, and he said any precipitation received in the next few weeks can change test results. He recommended waiting until mid-October to do any soil testing. Beef cattle producers will be feeding more green feed than usual this year in response to the drought-induced hay shortage. Independent beef and forage specialist Barry Uremcio said cereal crops, canola, mustard, and various weeds can accumulate nitrates. Nitrates are produced by plants under stress like drought, light frost, and hail. Uremcio said green feed should be tested in advance for nitrates, which can kill cattle if present in very high levels. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada forecasted a significant drop in crop supplies due to drought. As harvest continued, the report said there is still uncertainty regarding yield and production estimates. Canada is forecast to harvest 71.8 million metric tons of all principal field crops this year, down 27% from 2020-21. Canola production is pegged at 15 million tons, down 20% from last year. Nationally, the wheat number is 20.2 million tons, which is a drop of 43%. G3 Canada opened two new high-efficiency grain elevators on the prairies at Vermilion, Alberta, and Swift Current, Saskatchewan. G3 CEO Don Chapman said both facilities can unload a Super B truck in less than five minutes, and has 42,000 tons capacity and railway loop trucks that allow for efficient loading of 150 car unit trains. Imperial will build a renewable diesel manufacturing facility near Edmonton, Alberta. CEO Brad Corson said the announcement demonstrates Imperial's commitment and support for Canada's transition to lower emission fuels. He said studies have shown renewable diesel can provide greenhouse gas emission reductions of approximately 40 to 80 percent compared to petroleum-based diesel.
Flax growers in Western Canada will be looking for a new home for their flax straw. Two processing facilities in Manitoba will cease operations at the end of 2021. According to the Georgia-based company, its operations were dedicated to making flax tow for cigarette paper products at its facility in New Jersey. With the unplanned loss in demand, it's possible growers will have to resort to burning that flax straw. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarland for more weekly episodes. AgriPod is brought to you by Proven Seed, performance you can count on in canola, soybeans, cereals, corn, and forages. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.